Welcome into the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. We've had a lot go on over the course of the last, let's see, four days since we did episode 52 of the podcast on Thursday. We've had uh, a non-hurricane, but one that forced postponements. We had a boycott on Friday with the Astros and A's. We had a doubleheader sweep of the Astros by the Astros on Saturday, and then a postponement for postponement for COVID reasons on Sunday. So, Jake, we have had a, a jam-packed last four days that gives us a lot of things to kind of dig into today. But not a ton of baseball, more more off the field, because um, they've only played what two games since Wednesday, just the two, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, two games since Tuesday, essentially, because Wednesday was postponed already, right? And what was it? They they had played, uh, I think Tuesday's doubleheader against the Angels was the second in Minute Maid Park history, and then they played another one Saturday, uh, yeah. So the third in Minute Maid Park history. Which, for some reason, surprised me. I don't know why. Um, They don't have as many doubleheaders these days. Well, they have a roof, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, I I guess, yeah. I mean, that's probably idiotic of me. But for some reason, when I heard that this weekend, I'm like, that catches me by surprise. But then when you think about it, logically, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was, it's, it's been a different week for sure. Um, Yeah, fortunately, Houston was spared by the hurricane. Um, Not not the case obviously for people east of us uh, and we hope that they are doing okay and hanging in there as best they can but um yeah in, in terms of the baseball this week it, it was uh it's hard to it's also hard to like you know with these seven inning double headers which i do still like um me too i like them a lot but you learn less because there's two fewer innings in each game and so it's it doesn't feel like the same as a regular game and it it like obviously they won't be playing double hitters in the playoffs, so I don't know how much you learn from from these games, but um, obviously they do count in the standings. And uh, I, you know, we kind of to touch on what we spoke about in the last episode as to like we would know whether the division was still in play for the Astros. Um, yeah. You know, obviously we don't we didn't have three games to to you know move the standings one way or the other, but. But in those two games, the Astros didn't narrow the lead. And, and I do think, I, I mean, I think the A's are still the the front runner, obviously, and, and maybe maybe a heavy front runner. But uh, I think the division's still in play. Okay. It's interesting the way that you frame that because I was going to ask, is the AL West in play? And you say it is, but then you said the A's are the heavy favorite. And I agree that they're the heavy favorite. So I'm going to actually say no. Uh, I Now, I know it might sound ridiculous that I'm saying there's no division race when the Astros are two and a half back, and they're probably going to play possibly five games against the A's coming up in about a week or so. But until I see them get inch a little bit closer, maybe even pull pull ahead, I just think a two-game sweep of a doubleheader in which the Astros had two of their three best pitchers going and the bullpen needed to get a combined nine outs at home, I think was so advantageous that while the wins were critical from an Astros standpoint, I think the A's have been an excellent team so far this season, and I still fully expect them to win the AL West. That's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, unfortunately for them, it doesn't sound like Marcus Simeon's injury is serious. Um, so that that's obviously a big deal. He's one of their best players, if not their best player. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think 
you know, if you look at the Fangraphs odds as of Monday morning, the A's have a 68.7% chance to win the AL West. The Astros have a 31.3% chance, and the rest of the teams are at 0.0. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a one in three for the Astros. I think that might even be a little generous, but, um, you know, you also have to remember, like, the Astros still have all 10 of their games against the Rangers who are going to be potentially selling today uh, and are not very good. And they still have a series against the Mariners and a series against the Angels. Yep. Um, you know, they do play the Dodgers. They do play the A's for five more. But their schedule is not exactly uh, super difficult. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's in play, especially as you alluded to. They're going to have that. We assume a five-game series um, with a doubleheader to make up for Sunday from September 7th to 10th in Oakland. No official word on that yet, but that's the logical way to do it and, and how kind of how MLB has handled these uh, this year uh, when there's a COVID-related or even a rain-related um, postponement. And so that five-game series sets up to be, you know, maybe not deciding the division, but kind of in a way coming close to that. Yeah, I think so. And obviously the, the that five game series would, would decide the division. Um, it would be more likely, let's say if the A's, let, let's say hypothetically, hypothetically took, you know, four, four or five or yeah. something like that. Whereas if, if the Astros did that, they would be in good shape, but it wouldn't be as, as much of a clincher, obviously, especially since that series is going to end on September the 10th. And so you're still going to have two weeks to go. I, I just think, Here's why I feel the way I feel about the division. I think the A's have been a better team. I think especially in context of this weekend, we did not see the superior A's bullpen. The Astros didn't have to bridge, you know, the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings in order to beat that team in that lineup. And I also, I'm just waiting on some things to happen before I feel like, hey, the Astros have a really good shot to win the AL West. Whether that's Bregman to come back and be hitting well, whether that's Springer and Altuve turning it around a little bit, which they showed signs of on Saturday, certainly. Uh, but I, I'm just waiting for those kind of things. I'm waiting for some things to happen before I feel like the Astros will win the division or have a really good shot. I still just, I feel like it's the it's the A's year after three years of coming pretty close, or at least the last two, I should say. Yeah, and I mean, they want, did win 97 games the last two years. They've been right there and just kind of unlucky that they've been in the same division as the Astros, really. Um, yeah, I think that's a reasonable, fair take. I think at some point, Kyle Tucker's not going to hit an extra base hit every other at bat, and the Astros <laughs> are going to need other players to yeah. hit better, um, you know, like you mentioned, they need Bregman back. Carlos Correa has cooled down. They need him to, to hit better. Springer, Altuve, you know, we've talked a lot about them. So, yeah, I, I think we're on a similar page here with the division race. Um, but I do think it's a race, which, you know, with a different outcome on Saturday, it, it, we might have felt that it was already over. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I, I think... There are obviously far more important reasons for why this ended up being the case, the hurricane, the boycott, but I just thought Saturday set up so well for the Astros. They had Lance McCullers going the first game, then Zach Greinke. Both guys pitched relatively deep. I actually think Lance was better than Greinke on Saturday, and they only had to get the nine combined outs of the bullpen. So I, I just think that like 
even in a hypothetical playoff, now that's going to be obviously nine innings, but having those two guys and we'll see what Fromber does. So maybe, you know, he certainly has an argument to be, he would be one of their first three starters in a, in a playoff series, but that's the way that the Astros win big games is they get good starts out of those guys and they don't have to rely on the bullpen too much. A little Blake Taylor, a little Anoli Paredes, and then Ryan Presley. Like that's that to me is the formula, and that's the formula they were able to use on Saturday, which was great for them, but I can't extrapolate too much just based on those two games the way they went. Right, because those won't be the type of games they're playing in October when it really counts. Yep. Um, I saw your tweet that you said McCullers was one of their two best starters over Framber Valdez. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I had a few people tweet me photos of Fromber when I when I sent that out on uh, on Saturday. It's, it's not it's something it's something against Fromber. Like Fromber has been better than Lance McCullers this season, i.e., the last month. I I, I can see that, um, but I, I I don't know. I I just you know you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. It depends on how you value the career numbers or the the season numbers, right? Um, you know, I, I, Valdez has definitely been better this season. Valdez has been one of the ten best starters in the AL this season. Um, yeah. You know, a strong start in his next outing, whenever that is, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or, or whenever, could make him statistically the Astros' best starter this season. Um, but I do agree with you. Grant, uh, McCullers was better than Granke on Saturday. Um, yeah, it did. It, it the bullpen. You know, the bullpen is clearly their weakness. We'll see what they do uh, if they do anything to to reinforce that uh, at the deadline. But you know, I, I, deep starts that can limit the exposure to their bullpen is is clearly the the optimal formula for them. You had written down something on our show page, without, which I was intrigued by. You wrote, their pitching really isn't that bad. W- what do you mean by that? I mean, I, I agree with it, by the way. I think like there's this notion out there that their rotation, they, re- they need to trade for a starter. Their rotation, because of Verlander being out, is you know not great. But the rotation's like held up really well. Um, I think so. Like, I don't think they're, they really need to... You know, we don't want to talk too much trade here because most of our listeners will hear this post 3 p.m. Central on Monday when the trade deadline has passed. But um, I don't know. I just think between Granke, Valdez, McCullers, you know, they're in pretty good shape starting pitching wise. Um, and the first round is going to be th- the best of three. Um, and even in the DS, you know, in recent years, they often haven't used a fourth starter. Um you know, and then if you say they advance further than that, you have the wild card of will Verlander return in some fashion? Is Jose Arquiti going to be the 2019 World Series version? Can Christian Javier go two times through an order, which I think he can? Like they, they, they are, they could, it could be a lot worse um, pitching wise. I, I still think the big question is their bullpen, which we've talked about a ton, but. Um, you know, their rotation is is solid. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they, they have they have three good starting pitchers. I'm using the sample size of the last month, but obviously the history with Granky and McCullers. And then Javier's had a promising rookie season. And right now you just have a giant question mark with the fifth spot. 
where, you know, can Belak get it together or do they need to rely on Orkidi or is something else going to happen with that spot? But I, I generally I generally agree with your premise that their starting pitching compared to most teams is pretty good. I agree with that. Yeah. What do you think of, you know, switching from starting pitching to relief pitching? I, you know, I, I know you you tweeted something about this. Uh, Ryan Presley looking better on Saturday and, and pitching in both games, too, which is not something it can't be too easy to do uh maybe back yeah. in the day pitchers used to pitch in double headers each game of double headers a lot but you don't see that too too often now mike let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors today's show is sponsored by manscaped which has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels the premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver deodorant and the Crop Reviver toning spray. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of the best parts of the collection. They have optimal temperature control with their crop tooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. And now, back to the show. In the, uh, let's see, in the first game, he threw eight pitches. And in the second game, he threw 11 pitches, and he struck out the side. I, I thought that was the best that we've seen Ryan Presley look. Uh, he was getting swings and misses on his off-speed stuff. It looks like his location was a lot better. He hasn't walked a guy since August 18th, and they will need that version of Ryan Presley, the one who showed up on Saturday, in order to be a threat in the postseason. I thought that was maybe the singular best sign of the two games on Saturday because some of the other things that happened that were good have already been happening, like Kyle Tucker driving in a bunch of runs in both first innings, the home run, the triple. Uh, but you know Presley has slowly improved over the course of the last couple of weeks but I thought that was those two performances were definitely his best of the season and I thought those were the, those were the best signs for the Astros yeah I, I, I think I agree with you um now it was what 19 pitches so we'll see yeah if it continues um it's it's a year of small sample sizes <laughs> but yeah no he definitely especially like like you mentioned with this off-speed stuff looked looked really good um you know, as we tape here on Monday morning, we're still waiting word of what's going to happen with the Rangers series um, in terms of, you know, the Astros, you know, all, they went through the, their latest round of COVID testing on Sunday after news of the A's positive test. And we're going to wait, you know, we're supposed to get their results Monday. So we, we should know more by the end of the day uh, as to what will go on with the Astros Rangers series. Uh, that was supposed to start Tuesday. Um, still so weird that the Astros and Rangers have not played yet this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with their pitching staff because of all these all these uh, postponements. Well, 
do we have a sense of what's going to happen? Because uh, I know typically when there's been one COVID test, they'll, they'll postpone a, a couple of days in a row. The Astros are not the team, at least as far as we know. I mean, the A's were the team that had the positive COVID test in the organization. So we don't even know if that's that's a player or a coach or exactly who that was. Um, would the remedy here be, you know, let's say take the two. This is all hypothetical. Take the Tuesday game, roll it into a doubleheader, let's say Wednesday or Thursday. More likely Wednesday. Maybe. I, I mean... I asked James Click on Sunday if it was like reasonable to expect that that series against the Rangers would be impacted in some fashion because yeah, the incubation period for this virus is what five, six days up to ten or fourteen days. so you you know if you want to play it safe. but at the same time, uh, if if everyone's negative and the contact tracing comes back clean, there is recent precedent for getting back on the field pretty soon. Um, you know, I think it was the Pirates a couple weeks ago when the Ra- when the Reds had a positive test on a Friday night. Yeah, they postponed Saturday and Sunday, and the Pirates were off Monday and back on the field Tuesday against the Indians. So, okay, a few days. Um, and it was in this case the Astros found out Saturday night, Sunday morning. So I don't think it's out of the question that they play Tuesday. But um, again, we're still wait awaiting word. Uh, it's going to be a news filled Monday in some form or fashion between the trade deadline and <laughs> yeah. news of the testing and contact tracing and whether they're going to play. And then I don't know if we'll have any Corpus Christi news. Uh, you know, Monday or Tuesday, but they had to shut people, down again. Yeah, if people don't know, so so Jake, they had to shut down the alternative site again after another positive test, right? Yeah, on Sunday morning, they got word of a positive test, presumably from Friday's batch of testing, because they're the players down there are tested every other day, just like the players in the majors. Um, and so this is the second time in as many weeks they've had to shut down. Last time it it cost them four days. It was isolated to that one case. They're they're hoping it's the same in this in this case that it's just one person. But um, yeah, you know it's not ideal, obviously. And you know they have all the so many guys rehabbing down there that they're trying to find ways, if, you know, where they can to maybe move some of those players to Minute Maid Park. As, as James Click described it, as an alternate, alternate site. But the, the catch there is that they can't, even if they're rehabbing major leaguers, they can't be with the major league team until they're activated. So you kind of have to, like, separate, you know, say you say you brought up a rehabbing player from the alternate site in Corpus Christi to Minimade Park, you'd have to have them come in in the morning, you know, sanitize after they leave, and then you can bring in the yeah. major league players. So it's it's tricky, and I, I still think the Astros are probably figuring out exactly how they want to do it. Uh, and without knowing exactly who tested positive in Corpus Christi, it's hard to know what any of this means for all of their rehabbing players down there. Yeah, and I would also think, without speculating too much, I, from an Astros standpoint, I, I'd be a little bit more nervous about the Corpus Christi positive test than the one with the A's organization because I think so far this season we have not had any documented evidence of COVID-19 spreading from team to team. Mm-hmm. But with Corpus, we had Aledmus Diaz and then what, Luis Garcia come up from that site 
on Saturday specifically. Um, so I'm sure the contact tracing at least is going to give people uh, just a little bit of caution and appropriate hesitation because of what happened in the ensuing 24 hours. Yeah, those two guys were both activated Saturday. Um, yep. Unclear if Diaz was in Houston before that or not. But yeah, that is definitely um, a dynamic that the Astros are are looking at. So if we look at, let's say, just the, let's try to figure this out as we're recording without knowing when the games are going to be played. We do know, I think the thing that we do know, Jake, is Framber Valdez will be the Astros' next starting pitcher. Whether it's Tuesday or whether it's Wednesday, uh, it'll be Valdez, then Javier. And if there is any postponements, um, or actually, I think even if there's not, because today, Monday, is an off day anyway, they can pitch Lance McCullers on Thursday on normal rest, then Zach Greinke to open up the uh, the Angels series. Uh, that's kind of the way they're shaping up right now. And I guess the, the big question to me is, depending on how the schedule shakes out, how does it affect what they're going to do with the empty gaping hole that is the fifth, uh, that is the fifth spot in the rotation right now? Yeah, I mean, Dusty Baker on Saturday suggested that Jose Arquiti could start one of those two Saturday doubleheader games in Anaheim. Yep. Um, but that was, again, before news of this positive test in Corpus Christi. Who knows how how or if this latest development impacts Arquiti's timeline because of um, just the players having to isolate in Corpus Christi um, or if maybe Arquiti is one of the players they can get to Houston as the alternate alternate site. Yep. We shall see. But uh, I think in their perfect world, Arquiti would start one of those Saturday games and then um, could Valdez go? No, that wouldn't be enough rest for Valdez, right? So they would probably have to go Belak or bullpen game for the other. Yep. Which is kind of two bullpen games in a row because Arquiti's not really built up. So that's not ideal for them maybe maybe that's why they brought up this Luis Garcia uh pitching prospect who's stretched out to like 65 70 pitches you could maybe piggyback him with with yeah. one of the other guys all right so I'm so I'm looking at this right now um and it seems like if you're Dusty Baker and James Click the key is going to be that this upcoming Saturday the two games against the Angels that you have at least one legitimate starter going in one of those games, right? I mean, that's that would seem to be important if you can find a way to figure that out. Yeah, although it's the Angels too, so. It is, but they can <laughs> hit though. That, that's the thing about that. That's the thing about that. Like they can, those guys can hit as we saw last Tuesday in the second game. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So like you could go Arkady. You, do you count Arquiti come, just coming back as a legitimate starter, or because he's limited, is he more of an illegitimate starter? <laughs> I would say he's like a quasi. I say he's like a quasi legitimate starter. Um, I mean, again, I got to keep in mind they are seven inning games, so it's not like you have to you know grind through you know nine innings in that situation. But yeah, I, I could uh, now looking at the way the rotation shapes up because. They have that hole on Thursday. I like I always look at the ESPN schedule because they list out the starting pitchers. Uh, they have the hole on Thursday, but they can just slide McCullers there because he pitched on Saturday and have Granky go Friday. Then you have the two games on Saturday. So ideally for the Astros, Urquidy could go in one, but then the other is who the heck knows, essentially. I mean, shouldn't their goal be to make sure that 
Valdez, McCullers, and Greinke pitch the next week in the A's series. Yeah, I think Whether so. The, no matter what, how you do that, yep. like you, you want to make sure they're lined up for that. Um, that should be their ultimate goal. Which should not be an issue because if Lance goes on Thursday, Greinke goes on Friday, that should not be a problem, I don't think. Valdez, I need to do some quick mathematical calculations well, to if, figure that out. If Valdez went Tuesday, say say that Tuesday's game's on and Valdez pitches. Yep. Do you hold him till Monday, the following Monday for the A series? You probably should. They probably I guess they probably should. I also don't want to like take anything for granted. Um, even though the Astros do have I, I think this morning like a 99% chance to make the postseason. I never want to jinx things as well, but that's probably just a ridiculous way to think. You believe it, you believe in jinxes? Uh, not usually, not usually. You don't strike me as someone who would. I mean, um, doesn't everybody have some superstitions they do though? I guess. I and just in terms of baseball, like I don't know. I always find it comical when people blame writers for <laughs> jinxing no hitters. On Twitter, I feel like that's got to be one of the banes of your existence. It, pe- people being upset at writers and media folks tweeting out no hitters. You just learn to laugh at it and not pay attention to it. <laughs> yes, but it is kind of funny. Okay, so uh, the bottom line is it's going to be interesting to figure out what happens in the next day or so with the, with the Texas series and how it affects the Angels series with a doubleheader on Saturday and then the resulting impact in the Oakland series because we're pretty sure, Jake, that that's going to be a five-game series from September 7th through the 10th. That seems like the logical remedy for MLB to, to you know, the avenue for MLB to take. Yep. Um, you know, home games don't matter this year because there's no fans, there's no gate. Um is you, they're already on the road so you might as well just make it a double header there's no reason to do unnecessary travel during a pandemic and make the a's come to houston for one day so yeah that seems i don't know if the double header would be the first second third or fourth day uh, i would assume it wouldn't be getaway day but um yeah i, I assume that we'll get word of that can i push back relatively a, soon can i push back a little bit on the home part i'm looking at the standings right now now the astros have a pretty big split so far they're 14 and 5 at home 5 and 9 on the road if you look across baseball there, there are some exceptions but like if you look at the al east the rays and the yankees have been much better at home than they have been uh on the road well i, I guess i shouldn't say that in the case of the Rays, they've been really good in both actually um but there have been some pretty significant home road splits among the teams that are some of the best in baseball. Small sample size, just noise. Okay. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I, I do wonder, like, it, it does feel like the Astros have played better at home. Part of that is the weaker competition. But I, I do wonder if they get, even without fans, uh, obviously batting last, I do wonder if they get just a little bit of an edge playing at home versus playing on the road. I don't think so. But, that, you know, I've also like even when fans were there, I thought home field was kind of overrated. So maybe I'm uh, not the right person to yes agree with your argument. But, yeah, I just in a pandemic like, you, you know, this stuff's going to happen. Like um, the Cardinals lost how many weeks and the Marlins lost how many weeks? Like you just kind of got to roll if, with it. if you're. Yeah, you just kind of roll with it. And honestly, like the Astros and the AL West have been pretty lucky that this is the first game yes. uh, impacted by COVID. This is our first time going through this uh, that we've seen impact a bunch of teams 
in the National League. All right, one one thing before we get to uh, the boycott on Friday. Jake, so Arkady, it sounds like he could be back next weekend for the Angels series. We'll see how the Corpus Christi shutdown affects that. Brad Peacock sounds like he might be farther away because Dusty Baker mentioned his velocity is down. Yeah, he actually said Chris Davinsky is closer than Brad Peacock, probably. Um, and so, yeah, I think both are relatively close. Um, but it sounds like there's, you know, because Peacock's velocity is down that they want to see a little bit more first. Um, which is, you know, interesting news with the trade deadline. Does that make them more likely to trade for a reliever than it would have otherwise? I don't know, but, um, I still think they um, they need a reliever, even if even if those guys are at their you know oh, are, yeah. are healthy. Yep. Uh, and again, we don't want to. We'll we'll talk a lot more about the trade deadline in our next episode once we know what happens. Um, but yeah, Peacock. Uh, I think if if the, if Corpus hadn't been shut down for those four days last weekend, uh, as in two weekends ago, that some of those guys would have been back already. But that really, you know. When you shut down for four days, I think it really affects you. We'll get right back to the show after this quick break. That makes sense. And then Alex Bregman, it sounds like his rehab is going pretty well, although it's not like his return at this point is imminent at all. I don't know. He posted something on Instagram that said, what did he say? <laughs> um, let I, me find it real I don't quick. Fo- follow Bregman on Instagram, but I'll look it up right now as we're talking about it. Maybe I he- should. Posted a photo that said soon uh, on ah. Sunday night, Monday morning. So who knows? I mean, he, if anyone's going to come back faster than you would think, that's it, probably him. And Dusty Baker said Bregman was already running and it looked good. So um, could be sooner than we think. Well, I guess we'll have to wait. That'll be a good question for uh, Dusty Baker the next time he's available to the media before their, whenever their next game is. Bregman also posted a, a photo of Sour Patch Kids a few weeks ago as like a good pregame candy. meal. What'd good you say? It's a good candy, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I actually, I bought a bunch of sweet tarts the other week. Terrible decision. Th- those things are just too <laughs> addictive. That, that was, I bought like a large bag. And then it's like, I, I got to eat all of them. That, that, was not, that was not a wise choice. Well, you run a lot. You're you're fit, so that's okay. <laughs> I run a little bit, not 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 enough for my liking. All right, let's get to the more important things. So the Astros and the A's boycotted the Friday night game. It was something that was driven by the Astros more so because they had not had a chance since everything that went down Wednesday in the NBA when they had a couple days in a row of games uh, boycotted and then postponed as a result of protesting for racial justice. Astros did it as well. The A's had done it the previous night, so that's why I think we say it was more on the Astros because I guess I would say it was kind of like a dealer's choice, if that makes any sense to people. Before we dive into this a little bit, I think Jake and I both believe that uh, playing the Robert Ford call on the Astros radio network will be a good way to kind of set up this conversation. Here's what our friend Robert uh, explained when he was broadcasting this boycott on Friday night at Minute Maid Park. There is not going to be a baseball game played today. The Houston Astros came out onto the field. Marcus Simeon came to the batter's box for Oakland and both teams came out of their dugouts and were standing on the edge of the warning track in front of their dugouts for a 42-second moment of silence 
as a way of protesting racial injustice. And, you know, you may be thinking, you know, just stick to sports. I don't watch or listen to sports for politics. I get more than enough of that everywhere else. And you know what? I really wish I could just stick to sports. But as a black person, it's been really hard for me to stick to sports lately. It's really hard for me to stick to sports when I read about yet another black person shot at, yet another black person killed under questionable circumstances. It's hard to stick to sports when I know that my life and the lives of my family may not last as long and don't matter as much because of how we look and because of the color of our skin. You want us to stick to sports? Then you need to listen to us. Unjustified shootings of black people will continue and protests will continue until you listen to us and work with us toward meaningful change. I commend all of the athletes who have chosen to take a stand, including players on both teams tonight. Black Lives Matter. Powerful words from our friend Robert Ford, who we had on the podcast a few months ago. So I had a few quick thoughts. One, I was pleasantly surprised the Astros did this. Um, I think baseball has not exactly been at the forefront of this sort of thing. Uh, the NBA clearly has been at the forefront, the vanguard, however, whatever words you want to use, whatever phrases you want to use when it comes to protests, racial justice, and some of the things that have been going on in the country the last couple of years. They also had the ability to sort of, I guess, ignore it because of the hurricane postponements and the fact that they didn't play on Wednesday and Wednesday or Thursday. So if you had asked me Wednesday night when everything went down in the NBA and it looked like the season was in major jeopardy, uh, would the Astros play on Friday? I would have said, yeah, I think they'll probably just kind of like push it to the side and play. That ended up not being the case. And, you know, baseball is a sport where it's probably not going to land with the audience as well as with the NBA. Um, just based on what's happened the last couple of years, like you can tell there are pretty significant differences in the uh, in the fan bases. I'll be honest with you, Jake. I was I was about to watch the game with a friend of mine who was not happy that they decided to boycott. Uh, and this person basically said, like, I can't do this at my job. You know, how can they do this at their job? To which my response is like, listen, I, I think these things are like super complicated. And these people, like the athletes, the coaches, they are unbelievably elite at what they do. And they just have the kind of power that most workers have. And I think in this case on Friday, I think they used it for good. That's my that, that those are some of my initial thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad they didn't ignore it, and they did, um, even though it was um, coming off of two off days that they did still take a stand and do it. I thought Robert Ford put it perfectly, um, and I think the fact that both you and I were somewhat surprised that the Astros did it made it all the more meaningful. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I was I think pleasantly surprised uh, is is my feeling as well, and um, yeah, I mean, I I thought that kudos to all the teams that did it. I mean, obviously the Milwaukee Bucks got the ball rolling on Wednesday, I think it was, but uh, you know, to see what was it like twenty something baseball teams do it, yeah, um, to me was was really powerful. This is something I couldn't even imagine happening 
10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, I, I used this is kind of combined with 2020 and just everything that's going on, Jake. Like, I, I used to think that sporting events minus like hurricanes or major weather events were like immovable objects almost. Like, you couldn't move sporting events, they just like moved on. Uh, they just they were played. That's just how it was. And this year, for a number of reasons, is showing that that is actually not the case. And, you know, I, I converse with people on both sides of the quote unquote political spectrum, although I think this is a thing about human rights. And there's a lot of like, you know, litigating of like this incident versus that incident. But something that really stands out to me is when you hear African-Americans in baseball, whether it's Dom Smith of the Mets, whether it's Robert Ford, the radio broadcaster for the Astros, when you when you like forget about details of specific incidents, but when you think about the, the black experience in America, which I obviously would not be able to speak to, when you hear what Robert Ford is saying and when you really listen, there is a level of pain and frustration that at the very least makes me feel like, hey, I need to be listening to this. I need to be, you know, I need to be listening and hearing what is being said and trying to figure out what I can do about it. That's kind of how I feel when I when I hear the experience of African-Americans in baseball talk about these sorts of issues. Yeah, I think that's well said by you. I mean, you're right. We don't you and I don't know. So, you know, we we have to we we listen and and we and we try to help as much as we can. Um, And I think you know, as Michael Brantley on Friday night, you know, the Astros made him and, and Josh Reddick available on behalf of the team to speak about it. And the way he put it was, you know, to keep the conversation going. And I think um, that's really important, especially when, as you mentioned, like these protests uh, by sports teams started on Wednesday. They continued on Thursday. Um you know, by Friday, the Astros continued the conversation by doing it on, on their own. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. And I think uh, we need to keep listening and keep talking about it and, and keep bringing awareness to this issue um, so that it stops happening and we can achieve, hopefully, in the, in the near future, um, racial equality. I agree, and I have one last very quick point to make about this. Every Thursday, I do a radio spot with my good friend Nick Wright on his SiriusXM show on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and he had asked me about this, and Nick is somebody who, I mean, these issues are like near and dear to his heart, and they have been for a long time. Uh, when, when we were talking about this, not that this is groundbreaking information, but you know, he had asked me my thoughts on the protests and the boycotts. And I gave this like long sort of rambling answer where I wasn't happy with my own thoughts and performance. And one thing that he had kind of added on to my thoughts was, you know, yes, there's the raising awareness parts about racial injustice and things that go on in America. But there's also the reality that when you think about these players and these coaches, they have access to the kind of people who can make change or at the very least can reach out to the most powerful people in the country. So if you're an Astros player, Michael Brantley, Josh Reddick, George Springer, whoever, you play for somebody in Jim Crane who ostensibly would be able to get important politicians, including the president, you know, like I I would think that Jim Crane is somebody who could get the president on the line, maybe not right away, but at some point. And so they have access to the kind of people who can create change in a way that I think a lot of people cannot. Yeah, I mean, you saw what the Milwaukee Bucks did and and the NBA um, turning all the arenas into voting centers, right? I mean, that's huge. Yes, Um, which is great. Yes. 
Yeah, so I, I think you're right. I mean, these people have a much higher platform than the uh, than you or I or, or most workers. You know, they are professional sports players, and you know, especially in the case of N- NBA, MLB, NFL, like you know, there's eyes, on, millions of eyes on them every day. So, um, like I said, I, th- I think kudos to these athletes for for you know not just going along with the status quo and, and really challenging um, the injustices we see and, and stepping up and, and taking action. Jake, there was some news uh, on a much lighter note that came out in the last couple of days. People may have forgotten about it because of everything that's happened the last couple of days. I'm looking at the date. It was August 28th, and it feels like that's Friday, and it feels like it was like <laughs> earlier than that. Jordan Alvarez actually had surgery, and there was some news here because he had arthroscopic surgery on both knees per the Astros announcement. We knew about the slight tear in his patellar tendon in his right knee. If you want to check out more on that, check out our episode from about a week and a half ago when we found out Alvarez is done for the season. Uh, But he also had surgery on his left knee as well, which was termed a routine cleanup. And when I saw this, Jake, the first thing I thought of was you because you had pointed out a number of times, what about the other knee? And we found out about the other knee. Yeah, I guess it's smart, right? Do it both at the same time. You're going to be mm-hmm. out anyway. Um, it doesn't sound like a, you know, easy next few months for Alvarez. You I know? mean, he's got to be in a wheelchair, right? Like, if you have surgery on both of your knees, like, you're not going to be on crutches, right? I would think if both knees had surgery. I don't know how that works. I'm not sure either. I've never had, knock on wood, uh, arthrospro- arthroscopic surgery. I can speak uh, words. Um yeah, I thought that it was definitely surprising. That was the first, you know, the Astros announcement, which was two days after the surgery, uh, was the first we'd heard about it. But makes sense, uh, and I think has to generate more optimism, you know, not only for 2021 but but beyond that he can, you know, play without issue. Uh, maybe even play some left field. Obviously, that's getting a, a little ahead of ourselves, but. Um, these ish, these knees have been an issue for him since he was in the minors. So yep. f- if they can fix that for his final, whatever it is, five years of of control before he's a free agent, I think that was the smart thing to do, especially since he was going to be out for the rest of the season anyway. I agree with you. I, I think the, the silver lining here is have they actually found out the issues with Alvarez's knees, particularly in that right knee? And if they have, then... They performed the surgery in in late August, so he's got plenty of time before spring training 2021 to figure out a way to get healthy. And with somebody like this, I don't worry about Alvarez getting healthy. I worry about him staying healthy, and hopefully that is the case for all parties involved starting next February, February or March. So it'll be an interesting couple of days. Obviously, if any trades happen, we'll discuss the ramifications on Thursday on our next episode. We'll see what happens with uh, the schedule, with the three-game series against Texas, and how the pitching lineups uh, indeed shake out for this upcoming weekend in Los Angeles. That'll do it for the latest episode of the Crawford Talks. He is Jake Kaplan. Make sure you uh, check out all of his work covering the Astros on The Athletic. I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been the Crawford Talks.